You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. And uh, welcome to Bow Down to Us Lore Edition, episode 60, otherwise known as Drunk Tank. With me, as always, are my man Roger and sometimes the man Vince, as well as Tart. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. She sometimes the man, too. <laughs> Only on days that end in Y. Um. <laughs> yes, because I'm so threatening. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, (laughs) we're going to start today. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the new Batman comic, right? And we were talking a little bit earlier about comic books. And, you know, this has kind of snuck its way into the notes. And I'm really kind of intrigued by this. Apparently, this new Batman comic that's influenced by Batman Arkham Asylum, which is a game we all loved, uh, which was influenced by the comic book series by Grant Morrison, who is writing the new comic that will be influenced by Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay, kind of kind of circular there, right? Yeah. So, Vince, since you are a resident comic expert, do you have any information on this? Well, uh, I actually read the Arkham Asylum comics, uh, not when they first came out, but it's one of those things I went back and read in the trade. And they were pretty damn cool. And there's definitely a lot of parallels between those comics and the Arkham Asylum game. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be parallels between the Arkham Asylum game and the new Batman Incorporated comic, which is uh, the one that we're talking about here. (laughs) Instead, Morrison is trying to capture more of the feel of the game, how, how the game put the player into the place of Batman with its pacing and its storytelling. And he wants to try and recapture that mystique on the page, which well, it can't be any worse than Batman and Robin. Let's just go with that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Roger, you have anything to say on that? I think it's cool. I, I, I really I've. I, I think we need uh, some more really good original Batman series right now. And anything that's going to have the same feel as this that's good. What are you laughing at? I hear you laughing there. <laughs> you, you'll find out in a couple of weeks on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if we can get something that has the same feel as Arkham Asylum and the upcoming Arkham City, which, oh, dude, um, I think that that would be great. And I think they can portray it on the page in a very gripping way, although it's going to rely heavily on not just Grant Morrison and writing, but it's going to rely on who is going to be doing the art for it. A lot of what is that is fantastic also about Arkham Asylum is the feel of it, the look of it, like that, that it, it, it puts you right there. So it would, they definitely have to make sure that they get the right artists to do it. But if they do, I think that it would be very, very cool. I just see this as uh, it, the way I I'm familiar with the writer, it's going to be more like, let's say fable than Arkham Asylum, because we've all played those games. It started off really engaging and then somewhere along the line, just sort of lost their way. Well, that's Grant Morrison writing Batman. <laughs> yeah, they, it's it's I I don't want to go too long because again we're talking yeah. about the comic book, but the, it was right. interesting because of the oh very the, interesting the circle of influence that's going on as to whether or not Grant Morrison can pu- pull it off. Uh, that's another story altogether, but I'd like to be hopeful about it too. <laughs> and at, at, le- at least it shows that people are paying attention to what 
you know, popular culture is interested in and trying to meld it in with other mediums. Like, like we were talking about how it would be great for movie people to get on board with games. Well, it's also great for people outside the gaming industry to draw their inspiration from the games. Well, that's exactly it, too. I mean, you cannot if you are working on comics, especially if you're at DC right now, you cannot you can't ignore the influence that Arkham Asylum had, and you certainly can't ignore the popularity of the upcoming Arkham City. It's 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 very very powerful. People are drawn to it. People are are, I mean, given it all manner of awards and are engaged by it. So then, when you're looking at that kind of fan base, then it's it's something that you want to get on the page. You want to be able to capitalize on that and do something that's going to be just as engaging, I mean, in so much as it can be, on, on paper. You see, and one of the cool things that I really like about it is, we were talking about this earlier in the game uh, podcast, with the sort of cross-pollinization of medias here. You know what I mean? You're getting that influence carrying over from all walks of life, and if two medias were very close to each other comic books and video games i mean you know i'm not just talking about comics for the sega genesis back from the 90s you know there, there's always been this sort of parity between them. there's always been this sort of this like coupling you know if you're a comic nerd chances are very likely that you are also a video game nerd and vice versa so it's nice to see sort of that influence there you know what i mean and see we're getting some conversations in the audience here that it, that that just to address some of it in a different way. Let's just look at it a little bit differently here. And let's look at the popularity right now of The Walking Dead. Now, we've discussed this on last week's uh, comics podcast episode because we were talking, of course, about the TV series that came out. TV series, Vince was telling me, I, did, I wasn't even aware, was the highest rated show for AMC. Now, I actually got some new information today. It was the highest rated show in the history of cable television Holy among Jesus. adults 18 to 49. Yep. Okay, nice. see, that's huge. So now let's look at that. Now let's look at the popularity of the comic book as well, which is where it all started, which is huge. And now let's just imagine a game of this coming out, and let's just make it so that it has a Left 4 Dead kind of feel, which of course it kind of would, but with a lot more story in it as well. That would be engaging as hell. Does it take away from the comic book or make the comic book any less engaging? Dude, I just ripped through 77 issues of The Walking Dead in a matter of less than a week. So the comic book can be just as engaging as the game would be. And that's what I think would happen if this new comic book is done well by Grant Morrison. I think they can pull it off. Absolutely. And I think that the potential is there and I'm really hoping that they do it well. Now, that isn't the only comic news we got this week. Uh, we also got a little bit of a preview for DC Universe Online with the iconic suits. Now, we've been hearing about customizing your characters and getting, you know, special suits and special bonuses for unlocking certain things, right? Well, they showcased here uh, an advanced Deathstroke suit, which is an iconic villain. Uh, basically, uh, he is a thorn in just about every hero side you can possibly imagine because he's a crazy son of a bitch. And you have the updated Robin suit, kind of like the, the Red Robin on crack almost. And 
it was very interesting to see that these are going to be made available very early on for, for people to use. And I thought it was kind of nifty because that sort of level of customization, that sort of level of, of detail that they're putting into these is really refreshing. You know, they, ha they have the idea that I can have this very interactive world with these awesome armor pieces like this that belong to such huge icons or pieces that even look just similar to them and not have to worry about, you know, getting sued um, is really nice. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see that. I mean, what did you guys think of it? I'll let Vince go first. Well, the thing that excites me most about this is, is, you know, we all play Warcraft and only one of us is a real serious raider that's seen a lot of endgame gear. I know, Tart, you've seen your share, but uh, Joe doesn't have anything better to do with this time. But, you know, at least for me and Roger, you know, raid level gear is something that doesn't interest us. And that's where a lot of like the really cool stuff in DC Universe is going to be found. Maybe not, you know, raid content, but at least, you know, some sort of boss type character that you that you really have to work towards and what's cool is they're giving you these suits of armor pretty early on in your heroic career at least uh comparatively now they're part of your quest line your character development so it gives you a nice taste of what's waiting for you at the end of the game and at least for me you know if i got to go around in this badass well there's no thing as a badass robin suit but a slightly it's more badass get. version of the robin suit and knowing that i could have something similar batman themed that's a hell of a lot of motivation for me to maybe push myself a little farther in the end game and get a little more involved with the game altogether that's but exactly it for me. Sorry to cut you off. That's exactly what I was going to say in terms of the progression of the suits, because what excited me about this was not the Raptor Infiltrator, which is the Robin suit. Oh, no, no, no. It was that it leads to eventually the Dark Spectre mm -hmm. bat suit. Dude, okay, that's what I want. Okay, you sold me. All right. <laughs> I'll work towards that. And to me, that's the big thing. It's not to take anything away from these costumes, because... They're, they're quite cool. I mean, the, especially the Deathstroke one is quite cool. And I like that they are early on. And it is also, these are for a tech, whether you're a hero or a villain, they're for your tech ones. Um, so we haven't, I haven't seen yet the ones for all of the other kind of classes. They're not out yet. This is the first reveals. Yeah. So that's going to be coming soon enough, I'm assuming. So, but they made it so that it is just cool enough, especially with that that hanging that that carrot on a stick in front of you, like the the bat suit. That yeah, I will definitely push myself a little harder to get to work towards that suit. And not only that, but these are entry level suits, that, and they're really cool for entry level suits. I, I, yeah. As as strange as this is, I'm actually drawing a parallel here to Two Human, because in Two Human, around oh level. 20 or 30 you started collecting pieces of your character specific set for the early levels and that was so unbelievably badass that you knew the level 50 version of the gear was going to be beyond amazing and it definitely gave me at least the drive to grind through the levels over and over again trying to get the pieces of that armor which i only got fucking two out of seven goddamn game but <laughs> there, there's definitely that motivation showing you remember how awesome you were at level 30 you can do that again go do it now like it there's definitely a lot a lot of progression there that i'm i'm interested in i this freaking game makes me a little more interested in it ah. every time <laughs> <laughs> Next to the one where Vince is like, yeah, I'm not interested yeah, at we all. We need to go back and yeah, just like just like you were editing Joe's talking shit about the iPad, go ahead and edit in all me talking shit about DC online. 
Now, moving along from our comic geekery, we're going to go with a little medieval geekery. Uh, looks like the PlayStation 3 is getting an exclusive DLC for Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. And we started seeing uh, Sony kind of break this out with, uh, you know, their whole exclusive stuff with like, uh, what was it? Um, Dante's Inferno yeah. and things like that. And they're, they're really starting to set this precedent where they're like, we have ultimate stuff. We have exclusive stuff. You know, come to buy our game system. So, I mean, what did you think about this, Roger? I think that we're seeing more exclusive stuff for the PS3 because potentially there's going to be less PS3 sales. I think that's also what they're looking at. So to encourage people for to buy for the PS3 because there will be less buying for the PS3, let's toss them some more free shit. Um, that being said, I played... Uh, one Assassin's Creed one. I didn't finish it, but I still have it. I have to play the hell damn thing on the PS3, and it looked phenomenal. I have I've been playing the multiplayer beta for Brotherhood on the PS3, and dude, it's freaking insane how good it looks. I'm sure the Xbox 360 version will look good, but that PS3 version looks solid. So at well, this point, knowing that we got some extra cookies here. Yes, I will be buying it. I already know I'm picking it up, and I will be definitely buying it for the PS3. Well, I, I played the first two on Xbox 360 and absolutely loved them, and you know, I can't compare it to the PS3 version, but I can guarantee you the 360 versions were freaking awesome to look at as well. But what it comes down to me, now that I own a PS3 and I have the option, I prefer the PS3 controller for this type of game, especially a game like Assassin's Creed where holding down triggers is so, is so important. The PS3 yeah. controller is just more comfortable for me with that. So I, I was before I even knew about this downloadable content, I was looking at the PS3 version of Brotherhood. So now this makes me feel very happy about that decision. And it's cool as hell, too. I mean, you're helping out freaking Copernicus. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> what nerd doesn't want to help out Copernicus? Well, I want not only that, but there's like there, there there's the uh, cooperative co-op interactive puzzles, too, that they were they were showing for that as well, which is really nifty. You know so what I, I want to see? I want to see freaking move support on this sucker. So oh, that his dude, his no. his his sword or dagger or whatever he uses be <laughs> using Screw the move. That. Man, that Fuck. would be awesome. Did you, oh, yes. Did you, no. Yes. Did you play Prince of Persia for uh, for the Wii? Did you, did you try? Actually, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Go Dino Fire, because no. No, move support for this would be bad. No, it would work. No, I, I'm with, I have never thought I would say this, but I'm with Roger on this one. It would be <sighs> rock solid. I mean, when you're looking that, at... Okay, so let, let's just say... Okay, hold on. Let's just think about this for a moment, okay? So we've got... We don't have yet enough games that are making full use of the move, but we know so far, A, it's selling like crazy. It's actually doing fairly well, and it's getting good reviews, and it, it works. It's solid. It works well. So then what we've been wanting are games that are making good use of it. What better use than games, RPG games, that employ weapons and things like that, wherein you can have the, the move be, again, your dagger or whatever, that it can see in those three dimensions so well it would work well, it would but, work but, very well but it, especially with assassin's creed you also have to keep in mind the amount of timing involved with the combat system with counterattacks and blocks not to mention the freaking platforming i no thank you keep your motion <laughs> control as far away from this fucking game as possible no no okay you know what 
I'm going to take a drive to freaking Montreal and go and talk to them. Vince and I are very, very vehemently opposed to this. You seem to be siding with Roger. What do you think about it? I I think it would be a hell of a lot of fun. I really do. I mean, I understand, yes, the motion control is not everybody's bag. But the nice thing with Sony is they've already released titles like Heavy Rain were, that were successful without the move support. So adding the move support in, it's not really going to make a difference. If you want to play with the motion Bingo. control, go for it. If you don't, <laughs> don't. A, it's the same right. damn game yeah. either I, way. My, my issues with motion control, and they are many, we've talked about them, are, are separate from this argument. I acknowledge that there are games that are perfectly fun and perfectly engaging with motion control if that's your thing. I'm just saying for Assassin's Creed, a game so much about timing and precision. Why can't you I have really timing with move control? Because it, it's just inherently it not as bastard? responsive as pressing a button. I don't care how coordinated you are. I guarantee you I can press a button better than you can wave your hand well maybe not joe he's pretty good at moving it never mind but <laughs> just for this specific game i really don't think motion okay so basically you're saying that fun. so you're basically saying then that only games that are less serious less epic more kiddie no, are the no, ones no, that no. should be the ones that employ this because let, let me put it to you this way okay just completely different look at the support the 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 way that a, a zelda game works with the the Wii okay and the plus so that it has the additional blah 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 and notwithstanding the the technical difficulties that they had at the recent E3 it still yeah. looks like it's going to be solid for the new Zelda okay so and- looking at the motion of swinging your sword blocking with your shield things like that it actually works I'm so then looking quick at here. but but I'm not done yet. But wait till I have to take a sip of my wine, dude. So look at this Assassin's Creed then, which has the same kind of thing where you are swinging and potentially blocking and things like that. And you can still do your sneak moves and all that. Granted, you'd have to have the little motion, not just the move, but the little nunchuck thing. Um, But you can still have all your other controls and buttons to do things. Then I don't see the problem. My dispute is not with the not with the combat. The motion controls work well with combat. We see, like you said, we've seen that with, you know, the combat aspects of Legend of Zelda. However, Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess was a lot less platforming than the previous Zeldas, and a lot more combat action oriented. The new one, Heaven Sword, is also going to be very similar to that. And the fact that they understand that using your motion controls for platforming usually in- equals frustration and death. And I think that's the problem. I mean, you're talking about a game that is very platforming friendly. And I can understand some people may want to do that. You want to do it? Fine. That's your thing. For me, the reason I don't want to do it is because of that platforming aspect. For combat, absolutely. Give me the option to block and swing my sword or, you know, punch my assassin's dagger down through somebody's neck with the motion control. I can get behind that. The minute I'm going from building to building, that's where my problem is, especially in a title like this, where did you ever try to do the time runs in Assassin's Creed 2, the the, the crypts of, of yeah, the Yeah, uh, nailed them every the time. What's wrong with you? No, no, no. But <laughs> tell me, tell me the, that wasn't some of the most intense platforming of the modern day gaming. I wouldn't say intense just because of the or way involved, the controls. Whatever. Yeah, definitely you had to be on your uh, uh, paying attention, but I wouldn't say intense per se. But yeah, I, I see where you're going. I mean, they were if you did not have 
great timing. If you weren't a video game guru like Vince apparently is, <laughs> it, it could be very frustrating and the timer would run out on you. And that was with a classic controller and really good response time. So, I mean, I cannot see that going well with motion controls. Yeah, but again, if you've got the nunchuck that has the buttons anyways and the, 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 the D-pad kind of thing, then you can do the same thing. Maybe. Then what's the point? The point would be that you'd have the controls, same as your controller now, for any kind of platforming, but you'd also have the ability to do combat using the motion control. It, it makes sense. Your buttons are all on the move and on the nunchuck anyways, so you'd be able to do your platforming using both of them, holding them even together, same as you would a regular controller kind of thing, and then when there's combat, boom, 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 stabity stab, and you're having fun. I'm I- I go can do that go. again if you no, want. No, 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 go, go ahead. Go, go, go. No, go, 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 go. <laughs> I want to move. Okay. Go ahead because I, I, I want to move away from this. But a lot of this comes down to is the way I play Assassin's Creed. Maybe you guys are more about blocking, alone in the dark, and in your slashing. The way the way I played Assassin's Creed was a lot about the counterattacks, the disarms, the 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 very timing oriented stuff that I just don't feel would be pulled off as well with motion control. That's what it comes down to for me. Well, okay. How about how about we settle it like this? If it did come out with move support, I can play it with move support, Joe can play without, and we can see we'll make him play with move support at some point and see oh, if he still thinks it's a flaming pile. There there will be video for that for you guys <laughs> to see me fall on my face. All right, <laughs> move on. Let, let's move on to a game that I think we can all enjoy, uh, Terra. Apparently, there's a lot of news coming out from Korea about Terra. Vince, you want to take Terra with move support? I don't want move support. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that would rock. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we're being remotely with serious. Connect support. <laughs> All right. Before we get into any of the details coming out of Korea, because they have you know games conferences and all kinds of stuff going on, there there was a message put out on the Terra developer blog by Brian Knox, specifically damage pre damage control over these Korean announcements, where he said two things very importantly. One, no, we haven't forgotten about our Western audience. We've just slowed down our in, on our information release to give the Korean version a chance to shine. The Korean version is launching very soon. They said it's going to be an open beta. Hell, maybe now. I don't know when the hell the, their, their timeline was. And probably out at retail before the end of the year. So Unmasked and uh, I think it's Frogster that's doing the European release yep. have both scaled back on their on their announcements to give the Korean version of the game its chance for the spotlight. And he also said that the Korean version and the Western versions of the game are not going to be the same. They're going to be similar, but they're not going to be the same. So everything you see in the Korean version, you do have to take just a bit of a mobs. Yeah. Just, Grinding. just, okay. It's, it's going to be no quest. The, the same concept, but honestly, two very different games. That being said, let's talk about the Korean version. <laughs> we, we got, uh, uh, it was a couple weeks ago uh, where we talked about how they had the glyph system for the game, how you can uh, socket glyphs in your gear to enhance your skills. And they've expanded upon that. They've talked about at level, I think it's 25. Where am I here? Yes, 25. at level 25, 25 yeah. the player earns 10 glyph points and then one glyph point every level after that. Well, what are glyph points? Well, in order to equip your glyphs, you need glyph points. 
if you have 10 glyph points, you can equip two five-point glyphs or a four-point glyph and a six-point glyph or any combination that gets you to 10 or remotely close to 10. It's simple math, 10 fingers, figure it out. And it, it, we, we got some more uh, information upon those actual glyphs themselves and how they're really going to affect the gameplay. And before we get into more detail, I just want to throw out two that really struck my interest. The first was called the Glyph of Assistance Shield Block for the Lancer. And that's when you successfully block an attack, you have a small chance to gain a buff that increases your attack power, letting the Lancer block a major damaging attack and deal it back with its own major damaging attack. Very cool for the Lancer, and not only for settling purposes, but you also have to think for keeping up threat. If you're able to increase your attack power the more you block, that really gives you the incentive to block. Don't just stand there like an idiot hitting your attack button. Pay attention to the game. And then the other one, and the more I'm hearing about this class, the more I'm interested in it, the Slayer, was the Glyph of Combo Trip Attack, which says when you use the skill Whirlwind after the skill Trip Attack, the damage of Whirlwind will increase. Really going, expanding upon that combo-oriented gameplay we've discussed previously with the Slayer. Very interesting aspects. Uh, were there any other Glyphs that really jumped out at you guys? Not really. I'm just intri I'm intrigued by the entire system. Um, I like the systems that allow you to customize your characters uh, to that, you know, sort of an incredible degree. Um, this might not be nearly as extensive as the Diablo system, but I do like it. And I, I like some of the stuff I'm seeing. Um, like you mentioned, the uh, the shield block uh, for the Lancer. But like, you know, look at Glyph of Assistance Energy Evasion, which is a four point glyph. You know, when you use your rushing dodge skill, you have a 10% chance to increase your movement speed. You know, and in, a, in an evasion class and in a class that actually has to do that stuff, you know, that's kind of nifty. That's it's this extra little flavor to the class because now you become a speed monkey. You know, you become, you know, Speedy Gonzalez running up and down the side of a mob, you know, while stabbing it in the face with the sword. That's always awesome. You know, or Glyph of Mind Kickstep, you know, where it lowers the, the cost of your spells, you know, for the or lowers the cost of the skill for Kickstep. There's a lot of interesting little things in here, and you can really customize your character. Yes, it does cost points, but there's variation. It, you're not going to see very. I don't. I think this is going to allow for non-cookie cutter spec. Classes. Really, really, because yeah. I'm looking over these things, and I'm seeing that a lot of them are very similar to, say, what we've seen in WoW with the glyph system, and. I don't think that they're different enough that they are going to make it so that you have a truly original character. I mean, we've talked about other games that, well, case in point, the Diablo system, where you're looking at, you know, thousands and thousands of different types of bills. Bill. Uh, you can't you can't compare it to Diablo 3. Diablo 3 is ludicrous with okay, their options. Okay, but my point is that I don't think that the options here that are given th through the glyphs are enough that are going to make it your character that different. I think that more than not people are going to gravitate towards the same glyphs that are going to maximize the dps or the threat or the healing for their class so well, i'm not seeing that many differences in terms okay, of cookie look, cutter builds well you're, you're talking about things that are still incomplete right oh yeah this is not this is not a complete list i'm and i'm, I'm definitely it, not knocking them i'm i mean i'm still excited about the game and i think this is cool i'm just not thrilled and saying oh my god i'm going to be able to be different from every other hunter ranger whatever kind of class no i'm pretty much going to be the same we're going to concentrate on the same glyphs 
I think it has the potential to be that diverse. I mean, Tart, what do you think? You're, you've actually talked with the, these guys. You've met with them before. What do you think? Well, they said that customization was going to be their biggest point and trying to offer as many options as they could. But like everybody's even saying in the chat, to an extent, no matter what, even in Diablo, there's still going to be people that are going to run the numbers on every single yeah. possible combination. Well, yeah. And there's still going to be min-maxers and there's still going to be cookie-cutter builds. It's going to be the same no matter what when you're talking any kind of MMO like that. So, but they can introduce 50,000 glyphs. Somebody is still going to take the time, create a spreadsheet for everything, run the numbers, and you're still going to have your EJ sites that are going to say, hey, if you want the best, this is what you do. And everyone's still going to gravitate towards that. At the end of the day, it comes down to your play style. And if you want to say, hey, I don't want to be the cookie cutter build. Yeah, I may sacrifice a little bit of DPS or a little bit of heals here and there, but that's how I want to play it. But the nice thing is with a game like Terra, it being so interactive, you can say that. And so long as you're still a good enough player, it's to an extent not going to matter. If you can pay attention to the encounters and have a different build than everybody else, great. Because you're still going to survive and you're still going to do the better DPS over somebody that can't pay attention. And that's it. That's what I'm thinking. Because the way they're talking about the system, it's revolving a lot more about player interactivity in the game. You know, it's you, you, you have to aim your shots, you have to block, you have to dodge, you have to, to land your attacks around, you know, the, the, the thing you're trying to beat the face in of, you know, so the glyphs, while there may be like best combinations for this, you know, it's going to be a lot more about skill. So a player may find a glyph that's not being used and have horrendous amounts of skill to use that glyph to a greater effect than what the quote unquote best in slot is. So yes, there's always going to be those people that min max, there's always going to be people, people that do that, that's spreadsheet but we're starting to see this pull away from the desire for cookie cutter stuff now you know in 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 wow is a bad example of that with the now 31 point talent trees but mm. you know look at diablo diablo is a great example 97 billion combinations not million billion that's a b folks you know we're starting to see other games take notice of that and the excitement that players are, are starting to really have over that you're you're starting to get a lot more notice that people want to say, I want to play the game the way I want to play the game and still keep up with the big boys. And I think we're starting to see stuff like that. And I think Terra is a great opportunity for that to happen. Yeah, I think... I, I think damn it. I'm, okay, go ahead, Vince. Yeah, yeah. I'm going I, next because I, I, I still got Terra, shit to say yeah. about this. Well, so do I, so shut up. God damn it. <laughs> I, I think Terra is the perfect ground for getting rid of the min-maxer mentality because, you know, the min-maxers with their spreadsheets and their testing dummies and everything... That always assumes a perfect situation. And in Terra, from what we've seen, it's anything but a perfect situation with the amount of movement and dodging and awareness required. If you look at a lot of these glyphs, the ones that show that look like pure DPS increases, they cost, you know, five, six points. The ones that are more passive, that'll help out, you know, your movement speed, your mana regeneration, those things, they cost less points. So you you really have to weigh the balance. Do I want this big DPS increase or do I want with these two smaller passive bonuses that will really help me out overall? I mean, at least with the, with the Warcraft glyph system, it's a this or that. It's one to one comparison. When you put the points in place, it does add a whole new level to that, that, that really starts to complicate things, which is what I like about this system okay see what i'm thinking and you both touched on this as well if they can introduce a system wherein let's say as an example they have just as an example 50 glyphs per 
class. All right. Now, everybody's going to gravitate towards the best one for their class. However, I'm playing my mystic and I know that there's three glyphs that are the best for me and I can choose one of them. However, each one of them delivers based on my play style the same amount of potential. So I can be the best healer regardless of which one I choose, so long as I play my class that in a way that makes use of that glyph. So if I like to play, you know, glyph A, that style, I take glyph A and it will be the best one that I can use and so forth for the three. If they can pull that off so that the player's play style also dictates how much potential the glyph can have, and then you've got a minimum of X amount that here are your best, everybody can agree to that, then that's still cool because you still have some say in how you can play. As opposed to, again, we can go right back to WoW that these are the best, do this, and that's all you have, basically. So if they can break away from that, that would be awesome. It, it's a tough It's a tough thing, really. Uh, it's a tough well, it's a balance. presentation and you have to you have to have this amazing balance you have to have an intricate understanding of your player base the mechanics of the game have to be absolutely perfect it's not an easy thing to do especially when you're going to be putting out new content i get that i understand that i'm just saying that the system has the potential oh definitely it has the potential i'm not saying that it will I'm not saying that, you know, it's not going to wind up like WoW where there's like a handful of glyphs and there's ones that are utterly useless and then there's ones that are kind of cool and then there's like the really good set that everybody's going to take. It may wind up like that, but this has the potential to really start trying to break their players away from it. Don't forget, this is a brand new world that they're crafting. So I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it, it's, it's, it's anybody's game at this point. So I think we've we've talked about Terra for quite a bit. Uh, we're going to move on from Terra, and I want to talk a little bit about Star Wars: The Old Republic, from one awesome IP to another that we've all been uh, looking at. Vince, you have uh, some things to say about that? Yeah, of course. Uh, again, we we're starting to see more about this game. Uh, what we're what we've seen this time is their PvP and their crafting systems. Uh, they gave us a, a bit of a tour of the Alderaan. What the heck was that? They gave us a bit of a tour of the Alderaan. Uh, PvP area, and they talked about how the PvP and the Old Republic is going to be objective-based. For example, they talked about Alderaan, where the objective is to capture these various anti-aircraft guns and to shoot down the enemy's capital ship. Very cool. Uh, they said instant respawns. You're going to end up in the drop ship, uh, which people are trying to shoot down. Seems very interesting. And that how each war zone that they're putting into the game is going to have a different scenario, not just one that makes different gameplay, but they're really trying to tie the PvP into the story of the game. Like we, we've seen some of this with World of Warcraft, how, OK, Warsong Gulch is, is the battle between the, the whatever the elves and the whatever orcs and, and how they're actually fighting over this land and it does tie into the lore of the game and that's really what they're trying to do with the old republic at least as far as pvp is concerned we'll, we'll get to crafting in a second here anything else you guys have to add I, i'm really liking the idea of their their pvp system i really like objective based gameplay it's one of the reasons why uh, i really enjoyed games like dawn of war 2 
it's you know the player versus player was not just you know full real-time strategy army versus army you had objectives that you had to complete along the way too you got victory points for those objectives and it was an interesting way to play the real-time strategy game against player versus player and here we're starting to see a different spin on it that's very intriguing to me and we're talking about basically empire versus you know the republic and you have these these two historical bodies that everybody absolutely adores one way or another and you have this very rich history already built into the pvp system so it's kind of interesting to see what they're going to do with it you know what sort of objectives are we going to have what sort of things are we going to be taking later on things like that that's it right there when you're looking at when you're looking at the pride that you get from people choosing their factions in wow I mean, there's a lot. Uh, you would have seen that at BlizzCon, obviously, too. There's a lot of pride in whichever faction most players take. It pales in comparison to the Star Wars fanatics. And here you're going to have something where you are fighting for your side, be it the Empire or the Republic. So I think that's going to create a lot more intensity in the PvP battles. That being said as well, I think that Bioware is seeing that right now we're at a point where PvP damn near has to has to be in an MMO that comes out in one way or another. Players are pretty much demanding it. So what they're doing is they're making it engaging. They're giving you a lot more than just go capture that flag. So in that regard, it's great. It, the more they can put into it so that it it doesn't just feel like a go grind some honor, like, wow, the, the better it'll be. Tart. I kind of have nothing on this one because I haven't seen anything about it. <laughs> Guys, right. do we need to go back to that whole I don't have internet? Every time. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right. No, because he knows that otherwise I would be all about it because I'm drooling over the Star but Wars But you're not, game. so be quiet. Oh, hey. oh. <laughs> so we're going to move on to some crafting yes crafting <laughs> yes go ahead Vince crafting seems to be handled in a very interesting way here in the old republic whereas your character doesn't do any crafting at all screw that you've got minions to do that shit for you like, like they said you, you don't want this badass sith picking flowers like my death knight in world of warcraft kind of, <laughs> kind of breaks things there let's not get into that uh in all the crafting, and there's various types of crafting we'll get into later, is all handled by your NPC companions. So you better do a good job and be nice to at least a couple people to try and recruit somebody to your side. Because if you don't recruit that many good companions, it looks like you're not going to have very many crafting options. Uh, they say that each companion is going to specialize in a different type of, quote, crafting. And they broke that up into three different types. There's gathering. And they talked about gathering, breaking it up further into bioanalysis, basically, hey, what's that dead thing and what can it do for me? And slicing. I'm not quite sure with that. I think it might be some sort of like hacker based thing. They haven't really gotten into that much detail on that one yet. You have the actual crafting. Uh, they, they detailed the artifice and the biochem, basically mechanics and you know medical stuff. And then they actually have missions, which breaks up into diplomacy and treasure hunts. Very, very interesting, and they, they, especially when they talk about the diplomacy, how they say that diplomacy can spread influence and change morality alignment points. That's a huge effect on your character just from the, quote, crafting system. You know, if you have a, an NPC companion, maybe they suck in combat. 
but they're really good diplomats and they can really help you gain favor with various NPC factions in the game. That is a huge advantage for you to have as a player and really, really helps tie it into the game world. It takes this very small element of the game and really makes it important. And the, the best thing is you don't have to do any of this shit. You tell your companions that you're not using. You only use one at a time. If you have three fuckers hanging out on the ship, put their asses to work. And the best thing, and that this, like, uh, I, I believe it's Eve that does something similar to this. They say that the crafting activities can be queued up and can continue when players are offline. So people that don't this. want the crafting to get into the way of their gameplay, there you go. That's perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about. Right, Tart? <laughs> I know. You just can't do I am totally glaring at you, Vince. She is. It's kind of awesome. If her, her computer is like melting right now, it's kind of awesome. Just take it on, Joe. He'll enjoy it. This is awesome. This is really cool. And this is something that they did take from Eve properly, unlike Funcom with Conan. You know, they're not leveling offline. You're doing skills while offline. I can get behind that because if your character is going to bed for a while and, you you know, look, there's always shifts on ships, right? There's always crew working odd hours. You know, space doesn't exactly have a night and day cycle. So people just work whatever hours they're given. So if your crew is not doing anything but sitting on their hands, you know, but they're on active duty, you bet your fucking sweet ass they're going to be doing something. My ass is going to be making them do work while I'm taking a nap, you know, and, and I kind of like the idea that that will carry over that like, I'm not going to have to sit there and spend my precious time enjoying myself in game doing nothing but crafting in order to catch up. It's one of the reasons why I don't have a ton of professions in Warcraft because it's a time sink. You know, it's one of the reasons that I kind of skipped the professions and crafting in Champions Online. It's a time sink. It's stuff that I really don't feel like I want to deal with because it takes away from the rest of the game for me. And here I can just set them and forget it. It's the Ronco of fucking oh, skill. <laughs> yeah, but that what it, it becomes at that point or, then, it, what it becomes at that point then is does it even matter anymore when you're looking at a system that you don't have to really do any work at all? Why yes. not just give it to the players? Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining about it. I'm glad that I won't have to work at it, but okay. you're losing your, if I mean, you are shut the hell up. When you're looking at a crafting system, you have to then decide, okay, is the crafting system going to have to reward the player for the work that they are putting into it see that's big now i'm the same way right now i am not leveling any of my crafting professions in wow however i have in the past and i have the rewards to show for it but for the current players that I'm playing that I just want to play and I don't want to have to deal with crafting, I don't have those rewards to show for it. So this is the same kind of thing. You have to decide, is your crafting in your game going to mean something and is it going to reward your players for that work? Because quite seriously, just telling your minion to do the work for you and you not have to do anything, you may as well just give everybody the ability to do everything that's in the crafting because uh, it's not work. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. As the only one of us that really put any time in the Eve here, um, you would say the same I thing about ship. the Eve. 
you have a ship, and how many hours <laughs> have you put into the game? Dude, I had to go through like 13, 14, 15 freaking solar systems that just bounced around randomly, and you were no did help. You, did, you did were you, no did you help at all. Did you, did, you get, did you get tired and fall asleep in your chair while waiting? I actually watched it. Did, it was the most yeah, engaging yeah. wallpaper <laughs> cinematic I've ever seen. It was a but, screensaver that cost me fourteen ninety five. Enjoy your screen saver $14.95. Anyway, the point is the, the skill system there. You were yes, supposed to help me. Everybody, shut up. Anybody, <laughs> anybody can do anything. All right. You anybody, can, everybody has the ability to to level a skill or to create a ship or get the skills to craft a ship. The problem is there's a time cost associated with it. The player isn't without input. You have to go places and pick up schematics. You have to find ore. You have to go and contribute to it in some way. So if they follow that system where you can still produce while offline, but the player has to have some form of input, whether it's choosing what to queue, evaluating what the time cost is and going from there, that would be okay. You know, or, you know, you as a player has to go broker a deal to get stuff for, you know, your artificer or your biochemist, or you have to go lead a mission to get shit for your biochemist to do stuff. You're still contributing while being engrossed in the game. And you're not really having to worry about the sitting there and I've got a skill up. I've got a skill up. Okay. I've got well, a here, skill here, up. wait, wait. Okay. So here's she has something thing. to say. Oh. What about Whoa. the people like Jump me back, who boys. actually enjoy the crafting and the farming and that shit that's it's, it's still there well yeah but i mean if your character is not active in it kind of i mean i'm sorry i kind of like that stuff i'll sit on the couch and watch a movie and go around picking flowers for hours in wow or leveling my umpteenth enchanter or engineer or but hold on it's taking effect it's an assist in crafting they haven't really fully fleshed out what the player's involvement is going to be in it quite yet. And I'm reading through this and I'm reading through it again just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I'm fairly confident I didn't. It's only passive companions can assist in crafting. Passive companions can assist in crafting. That doesn't mean you're not going to you're going to be without, you know, you're not going to be without Use input. Really Use your sorry. words. I actually have a point to make here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but you're not. You're not. You're not going to be without your input. I'm sure there's going to be something that players have to do or can do optionally, and maybe you help the process go faster than if it was just passively your crew doing it, or maybe you can actually participate by choosing what to craft and crafting it your damn self. Uh, you know, we don't know yet. We're not at that point yet. We just have a rough idea of how they're going to interact with you as far as your your companions go with the crafting process all right i, I actually have two, two involvement oh jesus <laughs> you know what shut up <laughs> listen I, I, you I, bitched I, when she didn't say anything before <laughs> now she's right. got something I mean, to say yeah but it, it, it doesn't help now I, I actually have two counter arguments to both tart yeah but tart was and talking Roger you're here. interrupting yeah, well, she can counter my counter argument. We, they, they, they talked about, you know, you can send your companion on a mission. Let's say you need a certain type of palm frond for the, this, you know, this, this medicine you want to make. And you send your, your Twi'lek or whatever to this planet and say, hey, go I get me some shit. And they come back with the wrong shit. All right. If you're a Sith, you can just beat the bitch around the cabin. But... <laughs> You know, it, the, the, they said that you will come across gathering points while you're actually playing the game as well. So if you're targeting a specific type of item, if you want to actually go out there and farm, you can do it. Just when you click on the item, 
you're not going to gather it. Your companion will go and do the gathering if they possess the appropriate skill. So if you do want to farm, that is an option. And before we move on to counter Roger's argument as well about <laughs> what the hell were you talking about? How can you counter an argument that you don't know what I said? I, I forget. But let, let's say you know, the, the I, I know where I was going. I just don't know what you said to put me there. Oh, let's say, oh my God. This is derailed, my friend. Let's say the progression in the crafting system. The train just blew oh, up. Oh, okay, I really want this item, so I need to take up this craft. Let's say, Somebody hey, Jones is on his this, way over. this person on Alderaan is really, really good at making weapons. I need to recruit that person to my team. There's they can then tie that, that NPC companion into a long story quest line of you recruiting that person to your team. So maybe the challenge isn't so much in the crafting system itself. The challenge is in actually bringing the companion capable of doing the crafting over to your side. I can see that. And that's it again, purely hypothetically, but in my awesome brain, if that's how it works out, I'm totally for this. Totally awesome brain. Are we letting that go? Is it, are, we, are we actually going to let that go? We have three more to cover, so we're going to let that go. Awesome brain. Moving along, moving along from Vince's awesome brain to awesome game, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of some really weird way to play Fallout New Vegas. Did you know a dude beat the game without actually killing anything? Yeah, that was impressive. Dude, not a single kill. He actually got an achievement that make has an icon that looks like fucking Jesus. I mean, <laughs> is, is it a awesome. pit boy Jesus? It like is a buddy pit boy Jesus. It's a buddy pit boy Jesus. Awesome. That's gonna so be I'm, on somebody's arm soon. That's gonna be oh, a tattoo. Yeah. You know it. But I mean, I thought that was really kind of interesting because we hear about like Nor the Pacifist, and I got to talk to Nor the Pacifist at BlizzCon, and he's a really cool dude, and he was just really wanted to have a different way to play the game. And then you have this. You have a game that is all about survival in a post-apocalyptic future and no kills at all. Literally, people killed zero. Creatures killed zero. Nothing. So, I mean, that's kind of it's an interesting way to play. And he beat the game without having to kill. And that also proves the depth of the game as that's well. That's right. You know, because mm -hmm. how many games do not the, the end without a huge boss fight? Bioshock yeah. had a huge boss fight. Bioshock 2 had a huge boss fight. You know, everything has this huge boss fight or event here. He talked his way through the whole fucking game. I think that's awesome. And what I think yeah. is even better about that is the fact that the devs gave him the ability to do it by putting that in the game. I think that is commendable in and of itself because what it does is it means that the devs are trying to put as many different ways of playing to cater to the different play styles that people have from one extreme to the other because truly it is extremes. Most people playing in a post-apocalyptic games are shooting everything. Dude, I was killing freaking everything and followed if it was alive it was oh, it was to. it was fodder for meat on the barbecue is what it was <laughs> and then you have the other extreme which is not killing anything the fact that they put it in there that you can not only do well at the game but finish the damn game is phenomenal i i i, I love that they put that in there See, and one of the things, too, and, and Nonentity touched on this, the only other game in history that I really heard about being able to beat it without having to kill anybody was Deus Ex. And Metal you know Gear. what the problem, you know, you still had to fi finish the boss fight at the end and you still had to kill. You, you, you could do kill. it without killing them. You could just tranquilize them. 
You could subdue um, them. Okay, fine. So two games. <laughs> okay, but well, both, there was a, there were several Metal Gear Solid games. Do we want to get into that? No, we'll just call it one <laughs> franchise. Okay. But the point of the point of the matter is, it's incredibly <laughs> difficult to do in those games, like the Deus Ex games. I don't know anybody that was able to fucking pull it off. Everybody got to a point where, like, I had friends that did try it. I really did. I didn't try because I wanted to fucking blow shit up. But I had friends that tried it, and they eventually had to kill or injure something. They had to, they had to get aggressive, you know. And in Metal Gear Solid, it takes a ton of fucking time to train something. I mean, training a boss takes fucking forever. So, I mean... You know, and, and to Daniel, to, to answer your question, Mirror's Edge, it's really hard not to kill somebody. You're careening from rooftop to rooftop at breakneck speeds. You bump into somebody. You're knocking them off the side of a fucking skyscraper. Dude's fucking dead. Just going to throw that out there. So but I mean, his parachute activated. He ejected to safety. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it did. I'm sure he wasn't like street pizza. But, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting way to play a game. It's an interesting to see developers give that option. You know, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was pretty difficult. But I like it. I like the idea that you can do that. It's a different way to play. Anybody else? No, we're just no, listening just made to an Tart awesome type. G.I. Joe reference in the chat room. My God, <laughs> Tart types as loud as you do. No, she's <laughs> better than I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, Joe, did you pick this up yet? Which one? The Fall of Vegas? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. How have you been liking it? I love the game. Um, it's a little bit buggy on the Steam release. <laughs> so there's, there's there's a couple things that are, are a little weird with it. Um, a couple of the events don't fire right, but they are patching it. Um, You're playing it on the PC right now? Yep, absolutely. Because there is a patch that either just came out or is coming out soon, is there not? Coming out this week. Yeah. So that should fix a lot of yes. those problems. But they're all event problems for me. Like other people are talking about weird clipping and things like that. I'm just having weird, um, weird like events won't start. But other than that, the game is phenomenal. The story is fantastic. Uh, there's fucking cowboy robots in the middle of the fucking desert. How could you not love that? Um, it's it's a very different style of game. And the villain, uh, the main villain, essentially House, uh, is ridiculously cool. Any interaction you have with him, you can tell he's colored by like the stereotypical 50s era, you know, gangster movies. And it's hilarious. And there's so many tongue in cheek moments. There's so much vibrant, you know, locations and, and gameplay mechanics and everything like that. And the coolest part about it is in Fallout 3, the VAT system made me feel like a god. If I used VAT, I was a one shot kill. Okay. Here, not so much. The VAT system is useful, but it's not God mode anymore. So they've kind of toned that down a little bit. It makes me very happy. So if anybody has yeah. anything else to say about that, <laughs> absolutely go for it. But if not, I'm going to move along to the Cursed Crusade. Um, did you guys ever hear the game Demon Soul? Nope. Yes, yes it, it scares me. Hey, I'm Demon not man Soul. enough for Demon Souls. Dude, <laughs> Demon Souls is the game that made grown men cry. Do you know how I know this happened? My guild leader in the middle of a raid broke down in damn near tears of how much that game sucked when you died. All right. I'm not saying actual tears, but like more like I hate you. I'm going to stab you game tears, you know, and now we're seeing another game from the same publishers, uh, Atlas, uh, that is the Cursed Crusade. It is a medieval game that takes place uh well, well, crusade time, essentially. And it's 
two fallen people, two damned crusaders. Uh, you have a holy templar, a holy templar named Dens, uh, and Esteban, a roguish mercenary. Um, and basically, they're trying to save their own souls. Uh, the problem is, as they're saving their own souls, they're slowly burning away. They're becoming more consumed by this demonic fire that is, you know, consuming all of their beings. It's a raw, giddy, uh, raw, giddy, <laughs> raw and gritty <laughs> game, what the which hell? is just very visceral and very fiery. You know, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> wow, you're, all, you're all giddy about it. Giddy. <laughs> Burning guys. I mean, <laughs> bottom line, Atlas doesn't release crap. So if nope. it's got their name on it, it's got to be good. I mean, it might be soul crushingly difficult. I mean, I finished Ninja Gaiden on the NES and Demon Souls scares the shit out of me. So that tells you how bad this game is. But well, not bad. It tells you how bad ass the game is because everybody who's played it says it's phenomenal if you don't suck. Well, my, my, my skills have devolved over the years, so unfortunately, I now suck. So uh, hats off to you, Demon Souls, for making me a little girl. <laughs> well, and I also also not only do the games not suck, but the visuals are always stunning. Like Demon Souls was a pretty fucking intense visual game. You know, you had these awesome visuals, these awesome encounters, these awesome shadow and light effects. And you're starting to, to basically this is the next generation of it. And that makes me incredibly excited. Now, there's a little trailer down at the bottom. Um, there's a video teaser, excuse me, uh, and some awesome still shots that you can see of the characters, of the faces, of the the emotion that they're portraying, of the, the, the faces they're making in combat. I mean, it's just like you get really pumped up looking at it, and it makes me happy. You know, so, I mean, what do you guys think of this type of game? Do you like punishing games? I actually think that it is good. It, it, yeah. In addition to all of the games that cater to people who don't want huge penalties for death and things like that, I think that there has to be games that are far more hardcore. There's a reason why people play hardcore in Diablo, all versions of it, and the reason why it's going to be in D3, because there's a lot of people who like that feeling that it is very similar to life in that, guess what? You're getting hit by a sword, you're going to die, your character's done. So to have anything where there's going to be a lot of penalties for... Uh, playing the game bad is actually good because there's a lot of players who require that. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that I'm one of them, but I can appreciate that. Yes, we need games that are that cater exclusively to somebody who has the capacity to play it well. And if this is that, then fantastic. I would give it a shot. I'd probably get mauled and die by the first cat, you know, that I come across. But that's besides the point. Well, Omega this, this cat is actually a devil in, you know, disguise. But, yeah, moving from there, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Silent Hill, the movie, the sequel in 3D. Yeah. It was. <laughs> that, that sentence just got worse with each word. Yes, I'm, I'm going to fill my, my glass with wine while you guys talk about this crap. <laughs> and that was my exact reaction when I saw this. Apparently, the a Silent Hill movie sequel is in the works, and it's being shot entirely in 30, 3D. Excuse me. The, uh, the first movie, let's face it, sucked. Yeah, I'm a big, big Silent Hill fan. I absolutely love the games. And then the movie came out. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And yeah, no, no. The movie was really awful. There was cursory, uh, you know, examples of like your traces back to the game and then everything else was just crap that they made up you know pyramid head was in there for like the briefest of moments and he wasn't even that scary looking it was just like a dude with a fucking hat you know in in 
it, that movie failed. Then you, on the other side of the coin of video game movies, you have Resident Evil. The Resident, Resident Evil movies worked because the games didn't, or the movies did not take themselves seriously. They're like, fuck it, we're a video game movie. Why aren't we blowing up buildings and having to run down the side of buildings that are exploding? And they did that. And it was really successful, uh, minus the last movie, which kind of sucked. Oh, God, the last movie. Oh, God. But I actually haven't seen that one, but I, I can take it from Tart's lamented oh. wailing oh, over God. there that I, I didn't I miss saw it, I saw it in a movie theater where I could drink, and I couldn't get drunk enough to make it good. <laughs> yeah, and, and that really makes it sad. But, I mean, you can't really say that Resident Evil took itself seriously at any point in time. Really, they they understood that what they were doing. They understood that we're a video game movie. Let's just have fun with it. And for a while, it worked until it got too old and they pushed the envelope. With Silent Hill, the movie, they took themselves way too goddamn seriously. And I'm starting to think that they're going to do it again. I mean, yeah, they're they're throwing 3D at the end of it, but everything's in fucking 3D now. You know, it's it's no longer that cool little gimmick for those awesome movies where like there's explosions and superheroes flying through the screen. It's every movie that comes out. You know, the Bridges of Madison County, 3D. You know, I rock. I'm sure it would for you. Right? Heard a heard in 3D. <laughs> Step up in 3D. <laughs> But it, you you've never been to the Muppets, Muppets in 3D. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but my, my point is, look up Swedish Chef on YouTube. He has he but, has a 3D thing. Oh God. Yes, he does. But do you think do you think that they just take themselves way too seriously? I mean, I think they should probably scrap the whole idea. <laughs> Hold on, he's looking up the Swedish Chef on YouTube. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're but talking he puts, about. He puts Keep little going. popcorn things up to his eyeballs and he goes, 3D. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. Keep going with whatever it is that you heard. <laughs> no, because now we're all excited for Swedish Chef. Are you kidding me? Yo, Borgie, Bork, Borgie, Borgie, Bork, Bork, Bork. All right. Love it. <laughs> Are we still on this topic, or have you moved off of it yet? We're distracted. We're okay? distracted by this. <laughs> yeah, but now I'm going to have to edit it. all this crap I found out. It. That's I'm sending it to you now, Roger. What <laughs> the hell is this? That ain't it. There's no Swedish Dude. chef in there. Right. Wait, that's a Swedish something. What the hell did I just see? I don't know, but that ain't no Swedish, Swedish chef. Final rendering? What the fuck? I don't know. You like find something like Muppet porn? What the hell's wrong with you? Oh, it's God. on YouTube. If it's on I YouTube, I sent you a link. Check your I'm aim. putting it up. Jesus, okay. people. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> you guys need to work on your. That's what she said. Yeah, it's actually appropriate. Yeah, there's beer involved. It's always appropriate. All right. We're, okay, listen, right. dudes, I gotta edit all this crap out. Josh, <laughs> move on. <laughs> I want something relevant. All right, so Silent Hill, we can agree probably they should quit the series. I don't. Under, they're taking themselves way too seriously. They're trying to make this epic, creepy movie based on the game, and maybe they can do it, but they really haven't given us much to go with to give them faith. Um, do you guys have anything to add about that? Bow down to us in the lore edition, episode 60 in 3D. I'll totally go around and work with two cups on my eyes and go 3D. Anyway, off of 3D topic, um, we have more. 
have, we have one more How topic. can you follow that? <laughs> we, have, we have one more topic. I'm going to take, take, take it back to an earlier conversation. We were talking about Dragon Age 2 in the games uh, podcast. We were talking about how uh, it's it's sort of losing its feel of that Baldur's Gate. <laughs> uh, You're not uh, looking at the stream, are you? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I get for letting the French <laughs> Giggling in the background. So uh, I'm drinking some Oktoberfest. <laughs> my, my cat has come into the room to wonder what that screeching is at the other side of the speakers. Okay. You bastard. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. <laughs> Sending me another like I know it. No, I'm gonna treat this shit. <laughs> oh god, this is gonna be all. <laughs> okay, hold on a are, are we good? Can I can I can I continue? Well, of course, I was encouraging you for to. now. Okay. <laughs> for now. All right. So bringing it back to the topic that we we discussed earlier, we we're talking about Dragon Age Two, and uh, how it's losing its feel. Sort of those classic games like Baldur's Gate. Well, apparently, other people kind of had that same feeling. So. What Hoogs has sent me, thank you, Hoogs, uh, was a link to Dragon Age meet Baldur's Gate. Um, it's basically using the Dragon Age Origins <laughs> engine to recreate Baldur's Gate 2, um, so much as there is an actual playable version of the Irenicus dungeon right now. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm on a sheep. A cow. I'm on a, I'm on a horse. Cow. I'm on a horse. Cow. <laughs> That's right. I am a monster. Your monster could smell like. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think I'm just going to give up because I mean, sorry, Hoogs, we'll get to you next week. Here, here I found this really, <laughs> you know, Hoogs found this really awesome mod and screw that. Muppets are more important. It'll be in the show notes. We love you, Hoogs, <laughs> but Swedish chef just derailed this shit. But it was the Muppet Old Spice Man. How do you hate that? <laughs> I don't hate it. I'm trying to like have something. <laughs> <laughs> Damn dirty apes, all of you. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh, sorry, what did Hooks want? I, I, don't, I don't know what the hell you were talking about. What game were we talking about? <laughs> well, we were talking about Dragon Age 2 and a mod for it that actually is recreating Baldur's Gate 2. Uh, it's Hold on, a, a mod for Dragon Age 2? Sorry, yeah, Mark, uh, Dragon Age Origins. Right. Me. Um, they're recreating Baldur's Gate 2 to actually run inside the engine. So it's got the, the isometric feel of it. Um, I sent you the link in Skype. So if you want to pull it off, there's actual video for it. Um, they have the very first dungeon from Baldur's Gate 2 already recreated fully for the, the Dragon Age Origins engine. And I think that's kind of nifty because, well, I loved Baldur's Gate. I loved Baldur's Gate 2. 
Um, and think about it. It's all that classic scripting, all that classic gameplay, those classic dungeons updated for fucking Dragon Age using the Dragon Age engine. How cool is that going to be? Yeah, that actually is pretty cool. That's 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 very cool. And again, it, it goes to prove what we said on the games podcast that excuse me, um, the Dragon Age engine is phenomenal. They're going with the Mass Effect type of play for Dragon Age 2 when they had this absolutely fantastic engine that they could have used for two and made it just as epic in terms of the scope and feel of it. So that's what disappoints me. So when I, I'm seeing things like this, I'm again, I'm seeing the potential of what they could have done then with Dragon Age 2 that we're not going to get because it's just going to be a Mass Effect type of gameplay. See, and what's really cool about this is it shows that the game, Dragon Age Origins, is going to be a game that people are going to be making content for a while. All right, they're they're going to be working with it. They're going to be creating different mods and, and maps and user generated content for a while, and to see something that they're putting what looks like extreme care into, uh, with recreating Baldur's Gate two, which is one of the best games of all time for the PC, and putting it into this new format, it's just fucking epic. Um, the game, the mod is available for download right now on File Planet. Uh, the link hopefully will be in the show notes. Uh, it, it's worth downloading it just to play with the the Irenicus dungeon itself but if they can put the whole game of Baldur's Gate 2 into this format and maybe other games like maybe Planescape or you know Icewind Dale and things like that this has a long long life ahead of it yeah and see I'm hoping that they just they didn't go with the Mass Effect 2 feel for Dragon Age 2 hoping that Dragon Age will live on based on the fact that um, it'll be the mod community that supports it and keeps it alive versus them having to work to keep it alive. And, and that sort of speaks to the community in the game as a whole, because I mean, if it's good enough for the community to get behind and actually run with it, sweet. I mean, sure, they're gonna their, their game will still be sold or, or people will be buying it um, later on and years from now. But it, it's nice to see that the engine is not going to go to waste. And that's Something that I really enjoy, and that's something that's very Western gameish in mind. Keep that in mind. There, um, it's to get the most out of your, uh, you know, your your engines, and this really is showing that this had the engine has a lot of life. Yeah, that's that's all I got. Do you guys have any opinion on it? <laughs> I have no idea what you is, were just is there is there, about. An, is there an app for that? <laughs> There's an app for that. Do -do -do -do. <laughs> Uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna hear nothing on like me trying to not giggle on my end. <laughs> I wasn't even trying. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I got nothing. So there's a lot of good error. Yeah. Alright, so with that we're gonna call it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. And uh, Roger apparently and Vince are gonna apparently gonna sing themselves. So thank you everybody for joining us for episode sixty, drunk tank number six. Uh we appreciate everybody in the audience. Thanks for showing up. Uh be sure to stop by the site, bow down to us.com, comment on our comment on our posts, join us on the forums, click on our threads to go buy our you know stuff and support the site, and we love you all. Have a good night. I fucking love Drunk Tank. <laughs>
headshot every fucking ten episodes, man. We we can fuck up everything, but drunk tag is always the greatest thing ever. Ever. <laughs> Okay, break time, and then we're doing the lore. Yeah, for those in the audience, yep. don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're oh, doing yeah, the lore yeah. episode. They know. They know. Yeah, really? They've been around they, long enough. Come on, man. Please. Dude, if they don't, let them leave. Oh. <laughs> All right. More beer. <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. See you later, guys. I'm going to go die now. <laughs> it was a good life. You had a nice run. Did he really? <laughs> Uh, probably the best. It was, more like, it was more like a roll, kind of round. What? 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 Who are we talking about? I don't know. What? 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 All right. So you guys ready? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh, are we? All right. So episode over, buddy, and shut the fuck up. <laughs> ah! You know, he's only doing that because I do that for the, every single comic one. I have to remind yeah. him, otherwise he screws up. I only screw up at the end. Oh, just wait until oh. the comics podcast. Everything is a drunk tank with me hosting. <laughs> Ooh, also, wait a minute. Dude, you run a pretty tight oh. ship, actually. <laughs> I try. I'm not allowed to talk about a lot of crap. I don't talking have about Walking Dead. Not you, Vince. You look like you're gonna have control. <laughs> hey, that's what you get when you put me in charge. LTG. Anyway, okay, hold on. I am hurt here. Why? What? Why? What have I done to you? I don't even know who the hell you are. I don't even care who you are. But I want to know why. I I could give a rat's ass about you, but that goes like, why? Really? You why should? You were talking to him on the forums. What was I? Who is he on the on the forums that, or on the? That, that would be Andy. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I like you. Why aren't you voting for me? That hurts. <laughs> you bastard. I, that really, that hurts. Andy, I'm, I'm going to freaking change your avatar. <laughs> I have one of the forums that Sailor I... Moon Penguin, isn't no, one of the, uh, the, the uh, One of the sites that I used to have, that's why I have the site... Um, the, the Buddha's Barn Grill. I actually own that that domain, and I used to run a forum that was Buddha's Barn Grill. And uh, one of the guys that was a really good friend, he had pissed me off about something, joking, of course. And I changed his avatar. I did a Google search, and it pained me to do it, but I did a Google search of Harry Moon. And I got the Ooh. hairiest ass pulling a moon, and that was his avatar for a while. <laughs> Andy? Nice. Andy, go vote for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> or you will be Gonzo Thor. <laughs> Took me two weeks. That's because you're a miserable bastard that won't vote for other people. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take much to piss you off, though. It really kind of doesn't at times. No, come on. I'm a pacifist Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Right. Shut wait, up. wait. Hold on. Ion. Oh, come on. That's not fair. Dude. How is that fair? Wait a minute. He whined. He whined for... Oh, come on. Fucking Nancy. Fable Suck 2. Fable. Oh, dude. Okay, first of all. Oh, wait, no, no. Hold on, hold on. One moment in time. 
Oh, that's not even right. That's you can't pull off that. Script. You can't start. Oh, look, let's just talk about shit that's like absolutely terrible. And oh no, not all the stuff that's been good that you know you've you've actually enjoyed and there have been some good times. No, let's bring up the crap like one moment in time that anybody in the right mind would hate. Nobody, nobody would actually like that. Nobody. Joe Casada loves it. Joe Casada, it was held at gunpoint to create that. <laughs> he really had no control of, over himself. They they made him do it. That's what I'm going with because otherwise, it's bad times. It's bad mojo. It's it's not cool. Old school, including my healing. All old school. Now, what the hell is the noise? Cat? What the hell? Joe. That was me. Put your pants back on. Damn it. I'm just saying. And Tark hey, has I disappeared. I object to this. <laughs> I'm just, we haven't heard your voice for a while. Better, folks. Hi. 3D. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bank. <laughs> He's just like, close the show, close the show. Stop the recording. I need to do it. Okay, I'm going. <laughs> Take it easy. Why go home?